Hi, this is Paul Carrick, and you're listening to the Music Journeys podcast. Welcome to the Music Journeys podcast. I'm Mike Foley. A reminder that Music Journeys can be found on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, NPR One, and of course our headquarters in WCBE's podcast experience at wcbe.org. After this show, please check out some of the other programs Healthcare and the politics of it all with Prognosis Ohio. Learn something new on the Internet Says It's True and some important discussions on our newest edition, Depicting the Invisible, which features conversations about issues facing veterans and the role of art in healing. Visit the podcast experience at wcbe.org. Thrilled to have one of the greatest voices of all time, in my opinion, on the program. Paul Carrick launched his career in the 1970s with his band Ace, and eventually Squeeze, Mike and the Mechanics, Throughout it all, all these years, has continued making music as a solo artist. His latest release, One on One, came out earlier this year, and it's a fantastic collection of songs. Here on Music Journeys, Carrick will talk about those new tunes and also reflect on some of the timeless songs he's been a part of. We talk about that first Ace album, including what's really going on on the cover of that album. We've got a photo of that in this episode at the podcast experience at wcbe.org. You'll also hear about the one thing Paul and I have in common, a great singing voice. I know, I know a few of you were thinking that. No, it's that neither of us can fix anything. We'll explain. The humble and talented Paul Carrick, our featured guest on this edition of Music Journeys. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Paul Carrick, and I'm here to talk about my music journey. he's had some timeless musical moments, Paul Carrick still strives to make that signature record. As the opening track from his latest release suggests, the 70-year-old musician remains good and ready for that challenge. Well, you know, I've got a few uh, things to point to, obvious things. People naturally, when they're trying to explain or talk about me, they, you know, they mention the big songs that I've been in, involved with, how long living years, um, tempted, love will keep us alive, these things. So I don't spend a lot of time sitting on my laurels, you know, because uh, I still think I could do more. I could do better. Yeah.
I was born in Sheffield, which is in the north of England. It's a back then it was very much an industrial uh, city, famous for making steel. My father wasn't involved in the steel industry or anything like that. He was just a self-employed guy who um, was what we call a painter and decorator. So it was, this was not fancy stuff. And um, my mum ran our, a store, a small corner store that sold wallpaper and paint. And we lived in the room at the back of the store, two bedrooms, an attic, outside toilet, no bathroom. It's a tin bath, a tin tub once a week, whether we needed it or not. Uh, so that's where I grew up. always liked music. Um, my father's family were quite musical. I think that's where the genes come from. Um, I didn't have an awful lot of contact with my father's family. When I was very young, I, I met them a few times. My grandmother played piano. My aunt was a musician, not a professional, but she was a played piano and what have you. I think my dad dabbled in drums. It's a bit sketchy because, you know, my dad passed away when I was 11. So, um, but I, my memories are that he would always encourage our, my and my brother's interest in music. Quite liked singing when I was a kid. They said I had a nice voice. interested in pop music and um, all the electric guitar bands that came through and people like the Ventures, for instance, from the States and, and all that sort of stuff. But of course, the real sort of spark was the whole Liverpool scene and uh, the Beatles and all those bands. And then in my teens, it was about soul music, Motown and all that stuff. That's what I loved and still my favourite genre. So, yeah, I've always been pretty keen on it. Music and sport... I loved soccer and cricket. Uh, it wasn't until I joined or formed the band Ace around 1973. And that's when, because by this time I was playing keyboards. I didn't mention that I started out as a drummer, but uh, I was playing keyboards and um, I started to write songs and um, and I started to sing also. I wanted to kind of razz you about something here. You mentioned love of soccer, love of sport. You mentioned Ace, I've got the album here. It's one of my favorites. So you've got the, on the insert, you got the sports thing there, right? It's really cool. And then on the back, so we've got 
uh, you could see everybody. Tex has got the ball in his hand there. He looks like he's going to throw it in. Fran looks like he's maybe he just saved the ball. The ball's kind of there in the corner of the net. Uh, mm-hmm. Bam's taking a kick there in the center. Yep. Looking good. Phil looks like he's got some skills. He's juggling the ball over there. And then, Paul, you're... <laughs> You're right there in the corner. I don't see the ball anywhere. What's no? What's it's going above on my head. It's above my oh, head. Oh, the I, header. Okay. I'm juggling. I'm juggling, but bouncing it on my head <laughs> like that. Yeah. No, we were all soccer nuts in uh, Ace. Not at, you know at any level, just in the park. You know, we spent more time playing soccer than mu- playing music. Actually, even when we did that first album, we recorded in Rockfield, which was out in the country this uh, sort of rough and ready um, uh, studio that these two crazy brothers had uh, started. They, they both were sons of a farmer, you know, they lived on a farm and, uh, but they were both into bands. One of them was completely crazy. One guy was a bit more sensible and they, they put together this studio. It was called Rockfield and eventually quite a lot of famous things uh, came out of there. But we would, we went there for two weeks to record our album and we spent most of the day playing soccer and then we'd get a bit loaded at night and play a bit of music. Well, you did make some good music, probably led by how long. What is it about that song that you think has stood the test of time even today? I mean, I can listen to that and it just sounds good every time <laughs> you listen to it. It's amazing. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure why, but uh, I'm just glad we did it. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a great song. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's a good record. It's got a strong hook. I think it has an atmosphere because... Back then, that's kind of how you recorded. You know, we recorded, we just set up in the studio and you would uh, try to capture a great take of a song, you know, and the red light would come on and you'd be a bit exciting or nervous and you'd try to, uh, you know, make a great take, which, uh, you know, nowadays so much music is made uh, in a more clinical fashion and it can be fixed you know, edited or to your heart's content. But back then we literally tried to catch a moment.
Mike and the mechanics, I mean, living years has come up, and I don't often like to point to the most popular, popular stuff, but it's hard to not recognize that song because it means so much to people. I interviewed the musician Bill Champlin recently, and he pointed to that song as being meaningful to him um, when he lost his father. Um, oh. Having sung that song, what place does that hold for you? Yeah, it's a strange one because, I, I mean, I didn't write that. I didn't write that lyric. But at the same time, I, because in Mike and the Mechanics, we, we had kind of two lead vocalists. is myself and a guy called Paul Young. He's from Manchester. He's not the more famous Paul Young. But, um, and we would often, uh, Mike would often have his audition kind of for who sang which song. Generally speaking, Paul being a more outgoing, gregarious kind of guy, a bit more rock and roll than me, he he tended to get the rock and roll type songs and I would get the more sort of poignant if songs of it. But I, I felt I had to sing that song because I, you know, I had experienced loss, kind of felt it was some kind of uh, maybe tribute or uh, some cathartic thing. Maybe that might be getting a bit too pretentious, but as I say, having had that loss and that experience, although there's a different situation because I didn't have any problems with my relationship with my dad. He was great. Um, but I, you know, there's one verse and I sing that song every show. You know, I, I think I'm entitled to sing that song. And the last verse, you know, I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. And that's kind of, it goes through my mind because I remember the day very well. And I wasn't there, but I remember meeting my mom when she had to tell me the news and it was, you know, so I've got that little picture in my head. So. I wasn't there that morning When my father passed away I didn't get to tell him All the things I had to say I think I caught his spirit Later that same year I'm sure I heard his echo my baby's newborn tears I just wish I could have told him In the living years But I think, you know, some people relate to it They think it's very meaningful Other people hate it and think it's maudlin and what have you But uh, on balance, most people appreciate that the sentiment is saying You know, you've, you know it's, good, it's good to talk about things there was definitely a magic there with the voices in Mike and the Mechanics. I, I mean, it was an interesting combination because it came out of it came out of nowhere. You know, Mike kind of assembled Mike and the and, and a producer called Chris Neal who helped Mike kind of make a kind of more accessible uh, project than he'd done before. I mean, not I'm not talking about Genesis, but you know when. Um, Mike would off. I mean, he made a couple of solo albums before that, and they were kind of prog rock, a bit rambling kind of things. And and Chris helped him to make it, if for want of a better word, more kind of commercial. And um, I was a part of it. I was a contributor to it. I mean, I was giving my voice to it, but um, I wouldn't say at any point that I felt that it was, you know, really my core thing about what I'm about. I, I would say, and going back to your early question about, you know, what are you most proud of sort of in the last 20 years, when I started my own li little label and I started to have more faith in my own 
production and uh, writing and stuff like that. Those records that I've made since then, and I've made a few, I don't know how many it is, 15, 16 albums or something, almost one a year almost. Um, they're the ones I feel most uh, close to and that represent more about what I think I, I'm about. But, you know, I'm not, I don't want to downplay Mike and the mechanics because it was, it was great. I enjoyed it very much, uh, you know, and we had some success. Longevity, I think, well, there's a few factors. One is I couldn't, do, I wasn't any good at anything else. So I had to kind of make it work. Um, I come from a humble beginnings. Uh, my folks were very hardworking and honest. And um, I like to think that they've, they passed that on to me. Sometimes I think it's a curse because I know people who don't worry so much about work as I do. But um, yeah, I, th I think those are the two most important factors, actually. I think I think that's what I, I was supposed to be doing. As I say, I wasn't much good at anything else. My wife fixes the plumbing and things like that, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. I, I cannot fix anything. I mean, I'm. It only yeah. gets worse if I take a look. Well, it's funny you should say that because my my mother had a saying that if you asked me to do to do a job, I would make fifty more. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> Instilled a lot of confidence in me, you know. <laughs> While he may not feel confident about fixing things, Carrick does feel good about his latest solo endeavor, One on One, which came out earlier this year. When we were locked down and kind of isolated, I just started coming in my little studio here at home and and using the time to, uh, you know, write some songs. And I had to record it all myself. I'd play everything and record it and mix it and everything. And that's how it came about. And I think in, in, a, in a funny way, some of the things are inspired by the lockdown and the separation and the missing people and, uh, and all that. I mean, I don't think it's, it's not like an introspective album or a head in hands kind of project. It's, I think it's a bit more optimistic than that and hoping to get out and, you know, get, getting back out on the road. I only do meaningful, you know, I don't really do uh, 
edgy or political or anything like that. But, um, you know, subconsciously this stuff comes out, you know, what you're thinking about. Um, there's one particular song which caught a lot of people's uh, attention as a ballad on there called You Are Not Alone. When it takes someone you can rely on You can call me any time of day Someone who really cares when you need someone who'll always love you. You're not alone. You're not and uh, I wrote that, I think, particularly thinking about a couple of people who were struggling with uh, anxiety and what have you. And it was just this kind of message of support. And uh, that seems to have struck a chord with quite a few people. But there are other much more sort of light-hearted things on there, I think. You know, there's a song called Lighten Up Your Mood, for example, which, uh, you know, is about trying to, you know, come on, we're going to be okay. You know, that kind of sentiment. course the band hadn't played this stuff before because i pl played everything on the record so we we had a few rehearsals and we included several of these new songs and they all worked fantastically well live that's wonderful to hear i hope at some point that you come uh come to the u.s at some point in tour that'd be fantastic well i would love to do that and it's it's my one regret for the last 20 years being independent and uh, just doing things by ourselves without, you know, the help of any record company or anything like that. We've established quite a nice thing here, particularly in the UK, but other parts of, you know, like Germany and uh, Netherlands, places like that. But the to try and do it in that way in, in the States is, is difficult. Because the problem I had, even in the UK, to establishing Paul Carrick as a brand, if you like, was the people didn't really know the name. You know, they knew the songs or the bands. How long? You know that song? Yeah, I like that song, yeah. Well, I wrote and sang that. And Living Years, oh, I love that song, yeah. Well, you know, I sing that. I mean, I, I do tell this anecdote of when I was uh, in a store. I was actually, see, you can tell how long ago it was because I was having my hair cut. But... Um, and the guy was saying, like, what do you do for a living? Like, and I said, well, I'm actually in a band. I, he said, oh, that's great. Yes. Well, you know, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. Never heard of you. And um, Tempted, the song I sang with Squeeze, came on the radio. And I said, wow, actually, that's me there. And the guy said, 
I don't think so. That's Paul Weller, you know. <laughs> so that's typical of how it was. So it's been a bit of a slog, but it's been honest. Sounds like you, you kind of have fun with it, but it, does it bother you a little bit? Not an awful lot, no, because on balance, I think it's fine. I think it suits me. As I say, it's been a, a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of hard work to do it in this fashion without any sort of oomph or hype. It's just been real grassroots stuff. But I'm very comfortable with it, and uh, it feels very genuine and honest. And, um, you know, let's look at the state of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I've got a, I've got a great family and uh, I've got a great band that uh, we, we love what we do. And uh, it's pretty good, actually. So no complaints. My favorite song on the new record is uh, Precious Time. Okay. Uh, what can you tell me about that one? Yeah, I like that, too. slant on it but you know in my case you know i'm cracking on now i was 70 this year i still feel pretty good got more loads more to do a lot more i want to do but nevertheless you know in reality time flies by so you you know try and appreciate the time because you know i i've had a busy life with a, a, a you know bringing up a family of four kids and uh and trying to have a career a self-employed career and time whizzes by, you know, you suddenly go, what? I'm seven. I can't believe it. But, um, you know, try and appreciate. You know, having grown up on the Mike and the Mechanics and I love the Ace album and all that, but I really love this record and I love that you're still making music. Well, thanks, man. It's good to hear because um, it means, you know, I'm not totally banging my head against the wall. The thing is these days, you know, you can make albums at home. You can, the problem is getting them heard. But I'm glad you like the record. I, I, I like it. I like it, which is saying something because usually at this point, you know, you're sick to death of it. But uh, no, I'm liking it. We had one last bit of fun with Carrick in the Fast Five. Here we go. First song that you can remember hearing that you loved. Well, that's going, you mean ever. Ever. Or one of. Foot Tapper by the shadows. They were the backup band for an artist over here called Cliff Richard. It was very, very big. He was kind of an Elvis kind of guy, but uh, I wasn't so keen on Cliff, but I was, I loved the shadows. I mean, um, I can go back further, but I, I, it wouldn't make me look like I'm a hundred years old. And you're only 70. Come on. Uh, yeah, exactly. So 
how about a song that makes you feel uh, the most nostalgic or reflective, kind of sparks memories for you when you hear it? Uh, I'm going to go for Kathy's Clown by the Everly Brothers. brother John and um, we used to uh, try to develop our hairstyles on the Everly Brothers uh, without much success but we also love to sing their stuff and this is one I can remember that we used to try and sing together. That's wonderful that's a great memory. Okay how about uh, your go-to song for dancing or uh, if you don't dance a, a tune that you hear and you just can't sit still when you hear it. Okay I got one of those. I got one of those, and it's Rikuda and Get Rhythm. When I asked him while he shined his shoes, how he keeps from getting the blues. He grinned and he shook his little head about the shoes shine dragon. Then he said, you know, get rhythm when you get the blues. Get rhythm when you get the blues. Get a rock and roll, feel it in your bones. Tap on your toes and loose, baby, go on. Get a rhythm. Because uh, I often put that on before we go on stage just to get the old blood going. It's fantastic. I defy anybody to sit still when that's on. Great. Uh, kind of along those lines, how about a song that makes you feel like working out or motivates you to <laughs> <laughs> motivates you to do something that you might not feel like doing at the time? Kind of that motivator song. Motivator song. Right, okay. No, I don't have one of those. <laughs> uh, well, motivating myself get up on stage and uh, and give it all I've got. I'm going to go with Dance to the Music by Sly and the Family Stone. Probably one from the other category, but it's the best I can do. Hey, that works. Uh, okay. Last one is uh, a song that lifts you up when you're feeling down. I love anything by the Beatles, but I'm going to choose Please Please Me. Probably the first song I ever performed in public with the band when I was in in school, aged about 12. And all the girls that were in my class anyway asked for my autograph, and uh, they all threw jelly babies at us when we performed. Well, then that must have been the moment that you said, hey, this is I want to do this then, if you get that. Right? Yeah, yeah, well, it probably was, actually, yeah. Paul, it's been uh, just absolute honor and privilege to chat with you. Your music has enriched my life as well as countless listeners. So I'm so grateful that you continue in music. And my goodness, thanks for all you've done. And thanks for chatting with me today. All right, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I'm Mike Foley. Talk to you again on the next Music Journey. Ooh.